Blog Talk Radio. And yes, welcome back to the Joy of the Boss Man Show with John Beckler. We're joined by Mrs. Grizzly's TV play by play analysts out there, giving you the great colonel with Pete Frank on Fox Sports Tennessee and Sports South. Our man Brevin Knight. Brevin, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. How you doing? Well, I'm doing good, man. I'm just happy to see the Grizz got their win out there in the Oracle. Our man, one eye trolley came back, got the job done, so it's going to game three at the grindhouse. You know you're close to the team. What do you feel will be the keys to this game to winning game three and help the Grizzlies win this series in five or six games going forward? Well, it's always going to be predicated on defense. So they're going to have to get the good initial push with Mike Conley on Steph Curry, uh, making him work, forcing him to use up time on the shot clock by when he gives the ball up, denying it back. Uh, And then it's just going to be they're going to have to to maximize the three-point line, which is – make the amount of threes that they're accustomed to making, be aggressive with it, but also keeping the Warriors to a, a better number and not allowing that discrepancy to be as wide as it was in game one. And then it's just continue to play through the bigs on the offensive end, force the Warriors to have to adjust. And when they do, then it's up to the bigs to pass the basketball out. But early in the game, let's see if they can get Marcus Gasol deeper post position against Draymond Green uh, so that they can exploit that mismatch. You know, and speaking of Draymond Green, um, Jr. and I have identified Jeff Green as an X factor in this series, kind of to allow the Grizz to match up with Draymond, uh, Iguodala, match the Warriors' pace and rotations. Do you feel that Jeff Green's play is going to tip the scale in one way or another for the Grizzlies in this series? Well, I'm, I'm like you guys. At the beginning of the series, he was the pivotal player in the series. Of course, you know the stars you had to play like stars, but once you got beyond that. It came down to Jeff Green being able to be a playmaker and score with that second unit, uh, but his versatility on the defensive side to be able to play when they go small, he's able to play against, if it has to be a Draymond Green, but more than likely you're talking about an Iguodala, Harrison Barnes, uh, those type players, uh, but still gives them the ability to attack the basket on the offensive end with the same force that Mark and Zach does. And he's done that pretty well with attacking the basket. I know from the perimeter has to shot the ball well, but I liked his aggressive nature in game two, and he's going to have to continue with that. Yes, indeed, Brevin. Jeff Green, to me, he got started with the Grizz. He was making those jump shots early when he got, before that first trade went down. I feel like he got a little bit jump shot happy. And I think when he went to Dave Yeager and asked to come off the bench, it kind of freed him because trying to play at the stars with Zach and Mark, he couldn't really find his mark. So you feel that, that move to the bench, letting Tony start with Courtney Lee has done wonders for Jeff and get him a singular focus to defend, defend, rebound, place the floor, and drive the ball to the basket and be an X-Factor as John and I you identify for the series and going forward. Well, the other thing that it allowed him to do was it, it, it freed him up because he didn't have to worry about getting the ball to Mark and Zach. And whenever you come into a new situation, you don't want to upset the balance of the team. And so I think in those beginning times of being here he was just still trying to figure out how did he get Mark and Zach the ball where in reality we needed him to bring the difference that he brought in Boston that he played with in Oklahoma City which was his versatility his ability to score with by himself not having to be set up by the point guard uh, and by going to the bench that allowed him 
as you say, to be more like himself, play his natural position, be, have the freedom to shoot shots, even if there aren't great shots, but the aggressiveness to get those shots because he knew there was no Mark or Zach out there that you had to get the ball to. Yes, indeed. And first team on defense, Tony Allen, he was screaming out in game two, making the win plays on defense, making the, the little play here and there to keep get the grid, position the ball, keep the grid pushing forward. And now with Mike Conley back, to keep Steph Curry, make him play defense on Mike Conley. And also with, with Tony spacing and cutting, also on defense, why not Clay Thompson, keeping that matchup at bay. As we said earlier in the interview, do you feel like with T.A. and Mike in the fold now, it pretty much becomes a front-court matchup. What's the, what's the grid would dominate, in my opinion, with Zach and Mark and Coach Cooper off the bench as well? So you feel like they'll be when the grid should probably expose them at front-court-wise with Tony and Mike holding it down in the backcourt? Yeah, they're going to have to continue to play well defensively. You know, the, of course, the, the billing is the Splash Brothers versus the Bruise Brothers. And, and Mark and Zach have gotten the best of that in terms of statistically here in the first two games, and they're going to have to continue to put up stats. But with Tony, his ability to force Clay Thompson into situations that he he's uncomfortable with, which is having to put the ball on the floor multiple times, not giving him catch-and-shoot opportunities, always being there whenever the ball gets to Clay Thompson has been huge. And I said with Mike Conley, he's, his quickness is able to stay with uh, Steph Curry when he comes over screens, but the big did a, a way better job and showing themselves when those screens were set. But then Mike, well, I'd say Mike did the best job of is denying the ball back to Steph Curry once he gave it up. He didn't allow him to get it back easily. That took more time off of the shot clock, did not allow their offense to flow as freely as it did in game one, and it made things tough. So they're, they're going to have to continue with that game plan, understanding that eventually the Warriors are going to make some tough shots. They can't be discouraged by it. They just have to continue with the effort. Now, uh, Mike Conley's uh, having to wear that mask to protect his face after the, the uh, facial fracture surgery. Uh, I'm curious to know, I, I can't recall if you've ever had an injury like that that you know presented you with a, a chance to wear a mask of that sort, or if you've been around players who've had to wear that mask. I'm sure at some point in your career you've seen it up close and personal. How did they deal with it? How did you deal with it if, in fact, you did have to wear one? Well, fortunately, I, I, I never get my face in those positions because – I don't like to mess up this beautiful face that I worked so hard to have. Uh, <laughs> but, but, no, I, 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 uh, the only other person I kind of liken it to is Rip Hamilton, who, who had multiple broken noses, went to the mask and then stayed with the mask even after he was fully healed and wore it for the rest of his career. Uh, I know it's a, it is an adjustment because you go from uh, just playing freely to having something that is restrictive on your face. And then also it, it, at some point in time I would guess that it gets fogged up just from the breathing, and then you have to continue to wipe it out. The sweat that goes on your face gets onto the mask. So I tell people his performance was all that greater because he had to get used to the mask. He's playing with less energy because he hadn't been eating well. And then he had to worry about the breathing. And then he had to slow down the MVP of the, of the, of the league on a home court where they had only lost two games. So they had all everything stacked against them, but – the one thing that you can never measure in those is, is the heart of those players. And, and Mike has a, a huge heart, the guy that will lay it on the line for his team. And, and uh, he did a great job with it. So we'll, hopefully they'll, he'll come back. The mask will be some more positives for him, and they'll get another win. Brevin, why did you get the Grizz um, 
The Grizz is all, all you're going to have to give out the towels. We need to give out masks tomorrow night for the fans. The first time we're going to give a Mike Conley mask. How about that? That that would have been great. I don't know if our PR department had enough time to to work that out, but I do. There will be some some uh, self made masks in the building, and there will be some hostile treatment of Draymond Green once that game starts. Oh, you just better believe it. And another thing I want to ask you about is the presence of Vince Carter. Now he's a he's a vet on the team. Where's his presence meant to even Zach, who's been around Mike and Mark? Where's he? All the guys will say, where's his presence meant to his playoff run and keep the guys focused, tell them that it might be stacked against you for all the media saying, hey, the Grizzlies are going to lose in five games, but the Grizzlies went after Oracle and won that game, have a chance to have home court advantage in this series now. So where is his, his facility and these guys telling them we can do this and just let's keep fighting? So all year long, what's he meant to the Grizzlies roster? Well, the, the the thing is, he gives you another voice uh, of a veteran that has been through through it all. The good thing is that this wasn't a rookie team that he was coming to play with. This is a team that has been to the Western Conference Finals a couple of years ago. They've been in the playoffs now for five years. They played in major series, gone seven games. They've had upsets when people thought they weren't going to win when they played the Spurs in the one eight matchup. So they they have the experience. What it is, it just gives you another guy on this team that has the experience but has the ability to affect the game. And in game two, he affected it by rebounding, had seven rebounds in that game. And that's what veterans do. If, even though they don't, may not have one area going, they figure out a way to have a positive influence. And that's what Vince has done the entire year. I know he hasn't shot the ball as well as he would have liked to, hasn't gotten into a real rhythm the way he had when he was in Dallas. But he still found ways to, to be aggressive, to put a, to have an imprint on games. And a lot of what he has done lately has been talking to guys, explaining, keeping them calm, especially in the Trailblazer series where things started to go a little bit haywire. The, the Blazers started to play a little bit better. He just let guys know, hey, it's one game. We move on from there. And now in this series, we'll, we'll get a chance to see him not only be the voice of reason, but he also did a good job of – going out and doing intangibles, setting good screens. And then the seven rebounds, as I said, was huge for this team. Now, Brevin, I'm I'm sure the Grizzlies are not going to look past Golden State, um, but we are going to look ahead a little bit. And and we're, (laughs) you know, thinking that this is setting up to be the Grizzlies' best chance to get to the finals with this core group of players. Um, Without having to deal with the Spurs or the Thunder, would you agree with that assertion? Uh, I still don't. I still think it's tough because you got you still got to beat the best team in the league in order to get to those other teams. So it's hard for me. Yes, you look and say that those next group, the Spurs, are not playing, but the Clippers are playing very good basketball. The Rockets have been always been a tough opponent for this Grizzlies team over the years. So there will be no easy way. But the the hardest to me is having to win this series right now because even you still can lose in five, even though you won one in Golden State. All of these teams are more than capable of winning on the opposing team's floor. So the Grizzlies still have they, – they have – they did a great job of getting home court advantage. But they still got to go out and perform in tomorrow's night's game to not negate the hard work that they put in at Oracle Arena. Okay, now, Brevin, we got through basketball, right? Now we're headed over yep. to football. Football season is fast approaching. Uh, last time you were around, we talked about the Giants. We talked about uh, Coach Coughlin. Um, knowing that you're a Giants fan, are you happy that Coach Coughlin is back? And, and what did you think about the moves they made in the draft and free agency uh, going into this 2015 season? 
well, I, I thought that they would give him another year. I mean, this this the organization has always been very loyal to coaches, and it takes a lot for us to fire coaches. And, and Tom Coughlin had won the two championships, uh, but I think that the inconsistencies of making the playoffs in between winning championships is the one thing that us Giants fans want to see get better. So it was nice to see them go out and get flowers early. Uh, nice to see them go out and get safeties because we need defensive backfield work. Um, we got the signing uh, running back off of free agency. We, we, those things are all positive. It's just a matter of how much time Eli will have. And I like the fact that they're not signing Eli to a long-term deal. Let's see if a little bit of fire under him allows him to have a, a the Eli-type year that he had when we were winning championships, but with a line that's able to give him the time to do it. And it'll be good to see when Victor Cruz comes back at 100%, him, Beckham Jr. out on the, on the outside. Uh, it's, it's saving up to be a, a better season for, for my Giants, and I'm looking forward to it. Yes, yes, indeed, Brevin. But, Brevin, one thing, they got to get it past my Dallas Cowboys, so that's all. I'm not worrying about those cowgirls. We, 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 every year it is the talk about the cowgirls and what they're going to do and Jerry Jones saving people's lives and doing all this stuff. Hey, at the end of the day, you guys will be there towards the end, but we all know inevitably what will happen. Some type of collapse that doesn't allow you guys to make the playoffs, or you may get there and you win one game. You guys are the one game, the most decorated one playoff Team, one playoff win team that has been in the last 10 to 15 years. Okay. Okay. Hey, we'll see, Brett. We'll see. Hey, so no, no <laughs> when the Cowboys Giants are getting you up, man. You know that, right? We're going to break it down. Hey, listen, it's tough, sledding, it down, tough sledding for a Giants Giant fan down here in Memphis also with all of these Cowgirl fans that, that are here. Oh, uh, yeah, the clubs in Memphis are crazy, man. I'm in one of the Cowboy fan clubs in Atlanta. So, the Memphis Cowboy clubs be on it, man. So, hey, Brevin, <laughs> I'm telling you, when it comes down to it, we'll have you on the break, break it down, Cowboys be Giants, and John will moderate us breaking down the Cowboys be Giants. How about that? I love it. You you know my name. Please call me when that day comes. You, you, might have, you might have to talk to me from the, from the stadiums. I think I'm going this year. Okay, we'll do it. We, we, we can do that. Do it, yeah. <laughs> let's do it. Hey, Brevin, thanks for joining the show, man. We'll, I'll see you tomorrow down at the Grindhouse, man. Yes, sir. I'll see you then. Y'all have a good one. All right, now. That was Mrs. Grizzly's color commentator on the TV side, Brevin Knight. Obviously joined by the Atlanta Hawks manager of basketball relations and alumni relations right here, Dwayne Farrell. They have on the show is Dwayne. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. How you guys doing? Doing good, Dwayne. Sorry about the wait there. Everyone went a little bit long, but hey, I'm glad you was patient. I'm glad to get you on finally on the show with us talking about the Hawks. So, uh, how you how you feeling about the Hawks going up there to Washington? John Wall may be out. The Hawks trying to get their acts back together. What, what are you looking for to in tomorrow? Going to get the Hawks that key push to win Game Three up there, cover the Game Three up there at the Verizon Center up there in Washington DC. Dwayne? Oh, Dwayne's dropped. We'll call back people. No problem. John, uh, well, how John, you I, I'm here. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just waiting for that uh, Giants-Cowboys breakdown to come, man. <laughs> I, I'm going to hit him up like, yo. I'm going to hit you up. All right. 
right. Yeah, we have Dwayne Hello? Burrell back on the show. Dwayne, are you back? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're can you hear me? Dwayne Burrell. Yeah, I can hear you good, Dwayne. Yeah, this is Dwayne Burrell. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you good. Oh. Okay, okay. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, I was asking you about uh, game three up there in Washington, D.C. The Hawks, you know, they rebounded from game two. Got got some more shots. Damari Carroll doing what he's doing. Paul Millsap playing great. Cal Cooper made a few more shots. So, do you feel like in game three with John Wall potentially being out of the Hawks, well, pretty much they play their game will be all right and win game three and get this series back on track for them going forward? Yeah, I, I think it's still going to be a very, a very difficult game for the Atlanta Hawks. Um, you know, Washington have shown uh, towards the end of the season how good they really are. I, I believe, you know, early on when the season started, the, the way they're playing down is what we expected from them all season. They were one of the favorites to, the, to come out of the East because of their balance with having the ability to go up and down the floor and transition with Wall and Bill. And then they had Wartod and, and Nene inside. They had Biggs. And then you had experience from Paul Pierce. So, you know, I don't think it surprised many people uh, that they were able to get one in Atlanta, especially the way they've been playing towards the end of the season. But, you know, the Hawks were able to bounce back game two. I thought uh, Cal Corbett made some really big shots for Atlanta. I still think Atlanta has struggled offensively at times uh, to score against Washington, big lineup. But I I think with, you know, with Paul, I mean, with uh, Wall out, it's going to be huge for them. You know, even though Session led them in scoring the, the game two, I mean, you cannot move forward and go beyond Atlanta Hawks or even come out of this series without John Wall, you know, as your catalyst point guard. And, and Dwayne, I'm curious to know what your feeling is on on the team's uh, energy level right now. You know, obviously it's a long season, and once the playoffs hit, it becomes even more of a grind, you know, that the games are just so much more intense and physical. And I'm just curious to know what your feeling is on, on where the team's at physically, um, and, you know, moving on not only in this series, but if they're able to, to advance to the Eastern Conference Final, where do you think they'll be? What kind of shape do you think they'll be in? You know, right now I think they, they you know, they got beat up a little bit towards the end of the year. You, you know, you heard about the Tabo incident in New York, and he lost a valuable piece to their puzzle. And then, then Al Horford dislocates a finger in, in the Brooklyn series, and Jeff Teague rolls his ankle twice since uh, – the Brooklyn season uh, series, and then he did it once uh, in the first game against Washington. So there, there's some injuries that they've been dealing with. And again, we, we didn't—I didn't mention Paul Millsap coming off the shoulder injury. So it's it's a grueling, grinding, tough 82-game season. But I, it's not just the Atlanta Hawks. You can't come up with any excuses. I think every team is dealing with some type of uh, injury or missing a, a key piece to their puzzle. But I think mentally, the Atlanta Hawks are in a good place. Uh, just the simple fact that we're having a, a leader like Coach Bud to, to navigate these guys through uh, uh, something that they haven't experienced before, a 60-game win season, and then having, you know, Coach Bud with that experience from coming from uh, San Antonio, to be able to make sure that these guys stay focused, to make sure they execute and understanding uh, how to take advantage of, of the situation when it presents itself. So I think they're in a good place. I love the way they run their offense because it, it tend to it tend to wear teams down. I don't think teams like to play defense for twenty four seconds in a clock. Exactly, and Dwayne, you made a you made a reference to Tabo. That's my next question I'm gonna have for you. How big is the loss of Tabo right there? Because I'm I'm thinking about him on Paul Pierce or if John Wall didn't play. How Tabo 
a little bit bigger, thicker than Kent Bazemore is. You kind of saw it in the Brooklyn series how Joe Johnson would post up Kent Bazemore. So before like Tabo is getting missed when it comes to a, a, the bigger two threes and then the league that the also have to come across or is on that defensive end. Also, Tabo to me, in your my opinion, is a better shooter than Kent Bazemore is, making up that corner three. So what do you feel about the loss of Tabo going forward for the Hawks? How it may really it's an ugly head in a better way, but we don't hope it doesn't. But it just may. Yeah, I mean, losing him was, uh, I mean, it was, it was a huge blow to 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 the team because of his versatility, his, his experience, playoff experience, just someone coming off the bench, you know, for, for a head coach that you know you can trust. You can put him in and he can play multiple positions. He can guard multiple players. He bring a lot to the table. People doesn't realize that the intangibles that uh, Tabo brings to a locker room when he's in the, when he's on the bench talking to younger guys who haven't been through this, and you look at the Hawks bench, and I'm, I'm referring to Dennis uh, Schroeder and Mike Scott and Shelvin Mack, they don't have that experience that uh, Tabo has as a player. So losing him was huge. I mean, because when Damari Carroll it, it gets in foul trouble, say against uh, a Butler from Chicago or LeBron, these big, these big guards, big forwards, I mean, it puts a lot of pressure on Bazemore to try to stop these guys. You know, because to you know, in in this series, you could you know when when Demari is maybe winded or a little tired, getting foul trouble, you could put you know Tabo on Paul Pierce. But right now, if if he was getting foul trouble, there's no one that we really can rely on. You know, Bazemore can try, but he just doesn't have the size to really match up with these guys. So, miss losing him, I mean, again, it really affects their versatility, their flexibility as a coach to do multiple things out there on the floor. They could even put a small lineup out there with Tabo even playing the power forward position. So you're talking about a guy with a 7-2 wingspan. He can really disrupt a lot. Now, Dwayne, you had mentioned um, Damari Carroll. And, you know, he's coming uh, into this game off of six straight 20-point games. So obviously he's playing at a high level. He's picking up the slack that we've been uh, touching on with some of the injuries and and, uh, different scenarios that are playing out in this series. So what do you feel he's meant to this team in this series in – What's he going to mean to this team, you know, if, in fact, they're able to move on to the Eastern Conference Finals and beyond? Um, what is his role going to be? It's obviously, in my opinion, going to be increasing. Uh, it is. I mean, he's, he's really the X factor, the, the, kind of the glue that keeps us, keep it all together for that starting unit out there on the floor. You're talking about one of the only players that didn't get picked as an all-star. And he, he goes out and just go about his business every single day on both ends. You're asking him to guard the best offensive player out there to defend him. You don't run many sets in offense for him. But, again, I think uh, the, the, the season that he's had is in a contract year for him and also the postseason that he's had. He has really benefited from having uh, Kyle Corbett out on the floor because people don't realize how much attention Kyle Corbett brings to the Atlanta Hawks. When he comes off those screens, you have to pay attention to him. The bigs have to concentrate on stepping out on him and they're chasing around. So, uh, ideally, a lot of teams, they really, their defense to stop Powell from shooting from the perimeter. So, it leaves a lot of room and a lot of space for DeMar Carroll to get some opportunity, and um, he's been really uh, taking care of business with that. I mean, six consecutive games that he's played and scored 20 points or more. I mean, he's he just been so valuable for the ball club. Even when uh, the teams are struggling scoring, he's been the most consistent guy on both ends. So, I mean, Coach Bud loves having him out there and just competing. I mean, it just – it just I, I really like the fact that, you know, he's he's doing this as a guy who's kind of created 
and made himself a really good NBA player. And Dwayne, uh, he mentioned uh, DeMar's right contract here. So is Paul Millsap, and it's a possibility they both may get make more money elsewhere. But do you feel like the new cap may allow Danny Ferry, Coach Bud, Steve Cooney, who makes his own paying the guys to actually be able to have enough money to pay Damari and Paul Millsap, knowing that we're going to win the luxury tax for one year, but the cap's going to spike up, and we can afford them, and there'll be good contracts under the new cap environment with the new deal coming in for the NBA. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think you, you really don't, you know, mess with the apple cart with the way things are going with this, this ball club. Um, you know, you sign both of those players back. You know, you're talking about a team that's won 60 games this season, the team that also had players that make, they made the all-star game. So you play this season out and see how far you can go with it. You know, the ultimate goal is to win an NBA championship. If you fall short of that, you make adjustments. But when you have a team that's played so well together in Coach Bud's system, you just add to that. You don't you don't disrupt that or change, make drastic change changes. So, you know, of course these guys have played up to the level with I think, you know, with their, whatever the market value is for those guys this end of the season, they deserve it. And there's nothing to me that shows that they there's a question mark out there. They've proven that they they are very good players in this system and and and, and they're great for the Atlanta Hawks going forward. Now, Dwayne, you know, this season has been – it started off just unbelievably magical for for the Hawks, and, and it's really continued that, you know, even despite the injuries and, you know, some of the struggles they've had through the course of the playoffs, I think that, um, you know, anything less than the Eastern Conference Finals appearance and possibly a Finals appearance would be a, a big disappointment to not only the fan base but the organization. I guess my question is to you, how important is this season's success to the future of the organization? Um, I, I think it's big. I think it's huge. Um, just for the simple fact that uh, last year, you know, the Hawks barely made it in at the, as an eighth seed going up against the Pacers after losing Al Horford early into the season where at that particular time I think the Hawks was probably third or fourth in the East. Knowing that he was coming back, it was just like you're getting a high draft pick, getting Al Horford back. We, we all kind of around Atlanta knew that the Hawks were going to be a good team this year. No one anticipated and expected uh, the type of season that, that they put together. You know, I think if you look at most analysts and guys who were predicting, they were thinking Cleveland and Chicago would be right up at the top, and they thought maybe Toronto or Washington would be somewhere, and the Hawks would be somewhere around fourth or fifth in the East. But, you know, they they managed to put together one of the uh, – probably the, the most spectacular season in Atlanta Hawks history, uh, winning they did by, by winning 60 games. So I think it's, it's very important that they – Continue to, to build on this. Um, this this season, like I say, it's been it's been so fun being around here and as a radio personality, being able to talk about it. So again, I just I just hope that they continue to just move in the right direction, and I hope that the the, the organization continue to stay and stand behind this ball club. And final questions for you, Dumont I want we like to ask you guys coming to the show for the first time. What's a typical day in life for them like? You know, I, mean, I know you're the manager of basketball programs, alumni relations, and also you work on right side of the game with a lot of people with Mike Conti on the game. So on a typical day for you in both of your roles, can you share with the listeners like what a day for you was like? I'm sorry, say that last part again. I was, was asking uh, what a typical day for you was like in your role as the manager of basketball programs on our relations and 
Um, we know you do the radio for the night side of the game with Mike Conti pre and post game. So we just want to know, like, what's typical they like for you when you have <laughs> wearing both of those hats as being the manager of basketball programs and the my regulations and also being on the game with Mike Conti. What's what they like for you typically? Um, you know, it's, 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 it's fun. Again, you know, I've been blessed to be around basketball for, for so long and so many years as a player and now in front office. You know, you know, a typical day is being able to, you know, go and watch the guys participate in practice, watch them uh, do their player development, the coaching staff get together, interacting with players and coaches throughout the day. And then once that's over with, you, you have a little downtime and you, you work on the player relations, the alumni piece, and a lot of times I like to reach out to our former players and kind of keep them abreast of what's going on with the organization, uh, the, the daily current events, anything that's coming up with, with the organization that they want to be involved with. And then uh, the radio piece is just constantly, you know, making sure that myself and Mike Conti, we're, we're up on uh, everything that's going on with the team, any adjustments, any changes, any injuries, and just being able to take that message and, and give it to the listeners and making sure that they uh, they have a better understanding of what's going on with the Hawks. And for me as a former player, giving a player's uh, perspective and insight to, uh, you know, uh, what a player is thinking at this moment, at this time of the year, when they go down and lose that first game, or what is it like to go on the road? What is your mindset? What are you thinking about? So I, I, I try to bring that type of uh, – Perspective to the to the listeners who are who follow us on ninety two nine the game. Yes, indeed. Well, Dwayne, it's great to finally get you on the show with John and myself. We love listening to your work on the game, pre and post game. And I'll come and see you uh, game five. I'll come by, come by, say hello to you, and thank you in person for coming on with us today. Okay, thank you very much. I appreciate you guys having me. You're welcome. That was Dwayne Farrell, nice man of the game, Atlanta Hawks, manager of basketball programs and Lamar Relations, joining John and JR out here on the Boss Man Show. Coming up, Nick, it's the coach, Travis Williams, joining us to talk about the playoffs as well. And then you'll be able to lay for it. The Boss Report returns with John and myself on the Boss Man Show. <laughs> 